With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact. Helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Hey, it's Lily Jamali. Marketplace Tech has a new limited series out on YouTube called Decoding Democracy. With rapid advancements in new technology like AI, disinformation efforts are more convincing and more misleading than ever. So we'll be discussing how to spot things like deep fakes, how to protect yourself from disinformation, and how to talk to your friends and family about it. As always, this fact-based journalism and vital information will be free and accessible to all. As a public service newsroom, donations from you help us take on ambitious reporting projects like this one. Every single gift makes a difference. Go to marketplace.org slash give tech. This week, another tech hearing on Capitol Hill. Now what? From American Public Media, this is Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Dramali. This week was hardly a slow one on the tech beat. Companies vying for AI dominance have told us their stories, but this week they showed us their numbers. And there is a clear front runner. Plus, a court struck down Elon Musk's $56 billion pay package, but it's Musk's announcement that his startup Neuralink has made its first human brain implant that really had us scratching our heads. First, though, a look back at Wednesday's Senate committee hearing that placed tech executives, politicians, and families affected by child sexual abuse online together on Capitol Hill. If you watch this Week in Review on YouTube, you know that we start with a number we call our Bite of the Week. Reuters Breaking Views columnist Anita Ramaswamy kicks us off. The number that I chose is five, and that's the number of CEOs from big tech companies that were called into Congress to testify in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee about how they're addressing child safety on their platforms. So those five CEOs were from Meta, from TikTok, Snap, um, Discord, and X, formerly Twitter. Yeah, and only two of the five appeared of their own volition. It's worth noting the rest had to be served with government-issued subpoenas uh, before they would testify. And a noticeable absence also was YouTube, uh, which, of course, is owned by Google. If you have any teenagers in your life, you know just how popular YouTube is with uh, kids and teenagers. There's even, there's even a YouTube app for kids. Um, and some observers are asking whether they are getting a little bit of a pass here by not being asked to join. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that YouTube wasn't there. And I also thought it was interesting that Roblox wasn't there. They're um, the gaming company, and they have a lot of users who are children under the age of 18. So it's not necessarily that these five CEOs were representative of all the platforms that have the problem. They were just the ones who got tapped to tapped on the shoulder to come and testify. Yeah. So as you were watching uh, the, the testimony, what struck you? There was a lot of talk about, you know, these different bills, but they didn't really get into any of the details about those protections. It seemed to be more about the Congress people grilling the tech platforms about various issues and how they've handled them. 
But at the same time, I was hoping for a little bit more discussion of specifics. You know, why is it that some of these tech platforms actually don't support some of the legislation that has been proposed to protect children online? What are some of the concerns? I wanted to get into the discussions around privacy and things like that. And I didn't see very much of that. I saw more um, sort of this adversarial relationship that we've seen before between big tech CEOs and Congress who are often hauled in front of Congress to go and testify about different issues. Yeah, the usual theatrics, I think we can agree. Uh, The big moments that made headlines, of course, were Lindsey Graham, the senator from South Carolina, a Republican there, saying that these companies have blood on their hands. And then also uh, this remarkable moment where during the browbeating that Mark Zuckerberg was taking from Josh Hawley, the Republican from Missouri, um, he is asked to turn around and, and address the audience, which he does. He says he's sorry for everything that they have been through, saying no one should have to you know, endure the things that these families have suffered. There were a lot of families in the audience holding up pictures of people, of loved ones who've been affected, who have lost their lives, um, they believe, because of these platforms. But at the same time, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, defending his company's handling of this abuse. Which was really interesting because it's not the first time that Meta has taken some scrutiny on this issue. You know, they are involved in this legal proceeding with the FTC over how they treated the Messenger Kids app. And it's just been this point of controversy for a really long time. It was very notable that um, Zuckerberg apologized to these families. I mean, it was really heartbreaking to hear some of the stories and to hear what had happened to children online. But at the same time, I thought it was interesting as well that we haven't seen any legislation passed. But you know, we we saw Senator Lindsey Graham, who's obviously a Republican. He's on one side of the aisle. He actually made this comment saying, you know, it's very rare that I agree with Senator Elizabeth Warren on anything, who's a Democrat, very much on the other side of the aisle. But we happen to agree on this issue. Of all the issues out there that Congress is considering, this one seemed to have a bit more bipartisan consensus that it's a problem that needs to be addressed. Honestly, this is confounding to me because, again, there is this bipartisan support. People like Elizabeth Warren and Lindsey Graham on the same page. Uh, Richard Blumenthal and Marsha Blackburn, same deal there. Uh, They are co-sponsoring legislation in a lot of cases, and yet nothing gets done. It it feels like rinse and repeat. And, And we know that there is a torrent of lobbying dollars flowing through the U.S. Capitol. Is that basically what's holding up reform? That's certainly a part of it. Um, But I think there's also the issue of, you know, Congress has to look at this issue with nuance, because when it comes to protecting kids online safety, that's a really sensitive topic. It's also tied up in the questions around data privacy. And so in order to preserve maximum safety for kids, maximum privacy for users, and make sure that those two considerations are being served at the same time, it is going to require some nuanced discussion. And I think it's great that there's bipartisan consensus to get something done. But I think like with all legislation around sensitive topics, it takes some time to hash out the details. Then, of course, it is Congress and, you know, they have a lot of issues on their plate that they're considering that haven't really moved. We'll be right back. You're listening to Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. We're back with Anita Ramaswamy. She's a columnist at Reuters Breaking Views. Well, we're going to move on to uh, this very big tech earnings week. AI is a big part of that storyline. You've been writing about this. And it looks like Microsoft, by way of its investment in open AI, is up against Google here. Yeah, it's been a really interesting race to watch. I think with these big tech companies, they have all been trying to make this big pivot into AI, investing billions of dollars into building out the computing infrastructure that they need. And both of them reported earnings, which I covered on Tuesday. 
And it was super interesting to see the divergence and how investors took that. Both stocks dropped a little bit, but Alphabet dropped a bit more significantly than Microsoft after the earnings report. And investors were kind of waiting to see, you know, how are these companies using AI and how are they going to make money off of their AI products? And neither provided that much detail on it. But Microsoft has already rolled out this co-pilot product, which is like a a virtual AI assistant. It can help you um, use Microsoft Excel. It can help you while you're using Teams. It can take notes on Teams video calls for you, for example. And that hasn't, it just got widely offered to all companies. It's $30 per person um, per company that uses it. And that subscription seems to be garnering a lot of interest. Whereas Google, you know, the the issue for them is that Microsoft invested a billion dollars in OpenAI early last year. Everybody was talking about OpenAI. Everyone still is. They make ChatGPT. And so they made a huge splash in the space. And ever since then, to me, it seemed like Alphabet, Google's parent company, has just been trying to play catch up in this area. Yeah, I love your your kicker on the the piece that you wrote about this. You write, while both have spent 2023 articulating a good yarn about AI, only one has a story that sparkles. So is it really just that sort of enterprise suite that is making the difference for Microsoft? I was astounded by the fact that, and you point this out in your piece, that one third of Microsoft's revenue is coming from these workplace productivity products like Excel and Teams. And so that integration seems like it's a pretty big part of that story. That's hugely helpful for them. I mean, Google has tried to release similar enterprise products. They have been doing it slower, but they do have those out there in the market. The difference between Microsoft and Google is that Google makes more than three-fourths of their revenue from ads. So if they really want to supercharge their business with AI, it's probably going to have to be in the realm of ads. And we just haven't really seen anything major yet on that front. You know, they have these tools that allow advertisers to target users more effectively and things like that. But Meta has those too. Meta's also developing AI. I just think that Microsoft has a more diversified business and different areas in their business that they, they can actually incorporate AI into. Absolutely. Well, I'm no mythology expert, but isn't there something about King Midas finding his blessing was actually a curse? I don't know. It was on Google. (laughs) We'll see who's able to turn AI into gold. (laughs) We shall see. Uh, We're going to link to your piece on our website, marketplacetech.org. Finally, to some Elon Musk. It's been a while since we talked about him. His startup Neuralink implanted its first device in a human patient last weekend. Kai Rizdal, wondering aloud on Twitter slash X, as we all did, who is agreeing to take part in this human trial? Oh, my gosh. I, it wouldn't be me, that's for sure. But, um, you <laughs> know, I, some of the potential around this product and the, the reason that it's gotten approvals to even go forward with these clinical trials is that Musk has talked a lot about how this could potentially help patients with physical disabilities like paralysis. And that is really important. But Musk's eventual goal for the product is to have humans and AI be in closer contact. So by implanting these chips, I I guess the idea is that, you know, as a person, you can have AI in your brain and then we don't have to compete with AI because we will be the AI. That is the longer term vision. And I think that poses a lot bigger questions and challenges than, of course, the the goal that's, that's laudable of helping people with physical disabilities. Yeah, there is definitely that creep factor to all of this. I'm seeing a lot of jokes about mind control out there when we talk about (laughs) this story. Um, Now, 
as you say, you know, this company is pitching itself and Elon Musk is talking about this uh, as, the, you know, with the benefits to people who are, are dealing with disabilities. And absolutely, there is that promise there. Uh, the goal here, and we should be clear about this new product, telepathy, it's called, is to let people control a computer cursor or a keyboard using just their thoughts. Uh, Ryan Mack at the New York Times notes in his piece on this that this is a feat that was shown to be possible well over a decade ago. How much of this story would you say is uh, is hype? To me, it seems like it's mostly hype. I've seen some commentary from other experts who are you know, building products in the space sort of saying that Musk has been taking excessive risks and that he's using a really invasive technique to implant these chips into people's brains that doesn't need to be that invasive. And so that is a, another problem for the patient, right? I mean, Elon Musk is saying, okay, the patient who received the implant is recovering well. But then there were also some safety concerns that were raised about how he was running his experimental processes. There were some deaths of some of the monkeys that he used in these experiments at for Neuralink. And it might just be too early to start doing these super invasive experiments on human beings without really knowing the full consequences, especially if we already have other ways that exist to help people with physical disabilities that are less invasive. I mean, personally, I think that would be the route to take rather than testing your chips on humans without understanding what could go wrong. Yeah, no, no joke. Um, Musk, we should be clear, has maintained that no monkey has died as a result of one of these Neuralink implants. But we're also going to post to some really impactful reporting from Wired on this out last fall on the macaques uh, that were euthanized after suffering from complications from uh, some of this uh, some of this work that they're doing there. Well, Anita, I'm sorry to end on such a downer with you this week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hope that the chips don't actually have such bad consequences. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Reuters Breaking Views columnist Anita Ramaswamy. You can find the full video of this episode of Marketplace Tech Bytes Week in Review on our YouTube channel, Marketplace APM. And subscribe if you haven't already to watch us every Friday. Rosie Hughes, Jesus Alvarado, and Daniel Shin produce our show. Lydia Ayano is our intern. Gary O'Keefe is our engineer. Daisy Palacios is our senior producer. Kelly Silvera is our executive producer. I'm Lily Jamali, and that's Marketplace Tech. This is APM.